Welcome to this week's Total Football Podcast. I'm Declan Hart and I'm joined by Andrew Conway. Hello. I'm Matthias O'Flaherty. Hello. This week it's a Premier League preview and a review of VAR. Fun fact, if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does sign for Arsenal, he will have the longest name in the history of Arsenal players. At 24 characters, he edges out Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain at 22 characters. In fact, a front three of Henrik Mkhitaryan, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexandre Lacazette contains the most layers of any forward line in Premier League history. What a time to be alive. It's great. Fantastic. It makes life worth living. Oh, it's it's one of the few pleasures of football. Just trying to say say see see and say all these long names yeah. on the jerseys. Just think I, of yeah, I have a very important question though. Are we counting that little stripe? Don't know between Pierre and Emmerich as another character. Is that a separate character? I don't think it's counted as a separate character. But if we had to, for the record's sake, we would yeah, have to count uh, yeah. it. Right. Uh, well, speaking of transfers, uh, as we said, the Aubameyang one looks to be finalized. Yeah, it's expected next? to with. Add on 70 million euro. Yeah. That is what it's been quoted. It could be more, it could be less. We don't know at the moment. Uh, but it's expected to go through. They wanted to get it through before tomorrow. Arsenal play Swansea away yeah. tomorrow. I'm probably not going to play. No, I think you need to be registered by now. Yeah, so, so that hasn't happened at this point. So he'll probably be there for the weekend. Yeah, and uh, then they have Giroud. Giroud might be going to Chelsea. Yeah. Um, or West Ham. There's a little triangle coming up, apparently. Giroud to Chelsea, Batshuayi to Dortmund, and Aubameyang to Arsenal. Yeah. And uh, two of them are loans as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, as, if you're looking at it from Chelsea's point of view, I don't see why they do it. You know, you're helping strengthen a rival. Cause, yeah, it's cause, confusing. Yeah, apparently, um, Dortmund wouldn't let uh, Aubameyang go until they had a replacement lined up. So if Chelsea are providing it, I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't quite get that one either. It's just like, I suppose it'd be good for Giroud because maybe he'll play a bit more. Cause I feel like he's he not going to play anymore at Chelsea than he's playing at Arsenal. He'll get to stay in London though, I guess. That's the main, yeah, that's I mean, the main driving I mean, point. as far as Giroud's concerned, I don't see why there's, you know, I, it's a fairly good deal for him. He gets to go six yep. months to a new club. Um, he'll keep get the wages. same. Yeah, keep his wages, get the same amount of playing time really. Yeah. Um, maybe... Chelsea have a better chance at one of the trophies, Probably. FA Cup. They're in the Champions League, yeah. he's not cup tied. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so yeah, he might have a chance to win things. As far as Giroud's concerned, it's a fairly good deal. just don't see why Chelsea would go for it. Yeah, and like Batshuayi has been playing kind of well in his last few games as a Morata. He got them through the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Against Newcastle but at the weekend. Conte just does not trust him at no, all, it no. seems. I mean, like him. No, he's looked a decent player when he does play, you know, he's not. Conte he's, didn't sign him though. He they didn't. No, Conte didn't sign him, and that's, that's right. absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, he hasn't looked dreadful when he's played. You no, know? he's no. not one of these massive flops. No, but he's, he's a just... reminiscent of Lloyd Remy. Lloyd Remy never yeah. really did anything wrong when he played for yeah. Chelsea, but he never really got a chance. And yeah. Batshuayi is the same. But Lloyd Remy was a thirty-year-old when he signed for Chelsea. Thirty-one-year-old. Batshuayi is only what twenty-three, I think. Yeah, it's too early to be writing him off yet, and I don't see why Conte is so unhappy with him as the backup. It's just well by the fact that like the virtue that Dortmund are a pretty big club that you know were in the Champions League, they are after Batshuayi, who's a second choice yeah. striker at, at Chelsea. You know, it shows that a club with ambition like Dortmund want him that he must be a good player. I think he's regressed at Chelsea. He's not been given any opportunities. He came as a hot prospect that was, you know, maybe not immediately go into the starting lineup. Certainly be there by this point. Yeah, and it hasn't worked out for him. So if I were him, I'd try to get away. Because it isn't working out with him. The coach doesn't trust him, even though he does score goals when he's called yeah. upon to. And I'm sure he'll want to go to the World Cup, even if he's not really in line in that Belgium squad. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd fully agree. For him, it makes sense to get out, get a bit like of playing Chelsea, time. I know what you're saying, that you know they're helping Arsenal, but Arsenal and Chelsea aren't really... No. Neither yeah, team are like competing Czech, for the league. Czech went to Arsenal pretty smoothly a few years yeah. ago. Like It seems like relations Czech, there are Czech, Czech was a little different. Chelsea do have a big policy of letting players who have been important to them in the past go out. Like That's why Matic's transfer was so easy. Yeah. And Czech, you know, he's a legend for the club. There was... You know, he was given a carte, carte blanche. You know, he was allowed to go wherever he yeah. liked. And Arsenal was the choice because it's stayed in London. There's also, a, there has to be good relationships between them because you often see on Cesc Fabregas' social media feed, he's hanging out with all the Arsenal players yeah. he used to know and still supports the club. And he's a Chelsea player. 
and there's you know things like that in there like they obviously know each other and are friendly with each other that it's not the worst thing in the world for one to be at a different club when they're so near to each other that happens a lot of fans don't like it because it doesn't show like they're not loyal to their club but that's the reality of it and of all the animosity that relate that exists between different clubs it doesn't exist for some reason between Arsenal and Chelsea the players certainly and yeah. at the business side of things they're well, they're both willing to do business with each other but then Ed and Dzeko at Chelsea which looked almost done last week seems to be off now uh, I'm not entirely sure why I really kept up with the reports of, of either of you the big um, the big issue seems to be the length of the contract that and playing time concerns so Chelsea have had a policy where they don't give more than a one year extension to any player who's over 30 years old John Terry didn't get it, Frank Lampard didn't get it, Michael Ballack didn't get it, Didier Drogba didn't get it, Eden Dzeko wants three years, he's 32. Yeah. You know, to sign him on that sort of a contract would be a fairly big statement by the Chelsea board because it's going against the policy they've laid out mm-hmm. and that they've kept in place, you know, against those legends for the club. Yeah, who, and I'm sure that would really annoy them as well. Yeah, I mean, it would annoy a lot of players in there. Um, there's not really too many of that old guard left anymore. But um, I think Dev Luiz is coming up to 30 years old. Um, also for sale. Also yeah. for sale, yeah. Um, this, actually, I'm struggling to think of any Chelsea prominent Chelsea players who are over 30. How old is Cesar Aspelicueta? Uh, 27, Fabregas, 28. Fabregas. Fabregas. Fabregas is probably one. probably there, thereabouts. Yeah. There isn't many, like Danny Drinkwater is probably coming up near Danny Drinkwater, I think, is 28. They're not really the old age pensioners that we used to always kind of... No, they're trying to... Conte's tried to rebuild that squad and get rid of a lot of dead wood. But at the same time, that is an established um, thing that Chelsea do, and Eden Dzeko wants a three-year contract, I think two and a half year now. But yeah. Um, yeah, he wants that, he wants 90 grand a week, and he wants a guarantee of a certain amount of playing time. Mm. All of which, I mean, the money doesn't really, it's not out of Chelsea's ballpark at all for a second-choice striker. Yeah. At the same time, the playing time and that contract might be a little harder to agree with, and that's what's holding it up so far. And uh, they've signed Emerson as well, or it looks like that is so, yeah. going to be confirmed. Originally, those deals were joint, but now they've been separated. So Emerson has come for what was the it was forty five for the two of them. Yeah, and I think Jeko was between ten and fifteen because of his age, and his contract was relatively short with Roma. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, um, so, so I think yeah. I think Emerson was the big chunk of the transfer money. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, but that is a good signing for Chelsea. He's played well for Roma. He's an attacking fullback in the way. He's been a bit injured this season, though. From what he, I've heard, so. he did his ACL. Yeah, he was out for nine months. Yeah. Um, and he's back up for Alonso. So yeah, I mean, Chelsea have needed a left back for a long time. If Alonso didn't play there, they were left with you know playing a player out of position. Basically, you know, as Pilicueta. Yeah, I mean, they were in trouble. Hmm. Um, they've needed a left back. They were looking at Alexandro last summer. And I think they tried to get him. They but did. They Juventus did. Juventus wouldn't let him go. Yeah, um, but apparently Juventus are more keen on allowing him to go this summer. PSG have been linked. You know, Chelsea seem to have kind of accepted that they're not going to sign him, hmm. which for a Chelsea fan has to be a little concerning. You know, you're as good as Emerson looks. He's a good prospect. He's still young. He absolutely can be a great player one day. Alexandro's already there. You know, yeah. that's the difference. Played Champions League finals. Yeah, he yeah. Knows what to do. That's the difference between signing a world class player and a world class talent. Yeah. You know, it's but the that difference. That seems to be more what Chelsea are going for. That's what they are going for. But and it hasn't worked out. We no. just talked about Mitsu Yeah. They won the league title last season, though. Yeah, but non tanked with Mitsu I, I don't know how much who, Roman cares, though. Right? Yeah. yeah. But if you, if you look at the team that won the title, who are the big. You know who were the big parts of that team? Diego Costa, world class striker, bought when he was world class. Eden Hazard, you know, might be he might not have been completely world class, but everybody knew he was getting yeah, there. Yeah, he you know? helped Leo. Yeah. he carried Leo to. He, yeah. he was clearly. Yeah, you know, yeah he was the He was the best yeah. signing that summer. Um, Thibaut yeah. Courtois was a younger player who developed Champions League final. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. bought before he was yeah. loaned to Atletico, yeah. true, so true. there is there is a bit of credit due to Chelsea there. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you've got to have some of the top top players brought in when they're top players. Yeah. You can't develop everything. Yeah, and like they're not done. We'll see what happens. Like sp- yeah. speaking of Chelsea outgoings and speaking of the Arsenal connection to it, there is rumours as well that David Luiz could go the opposite direction. Yeah. Because, and you know, same type of thing. You're helping a rival and so on and so forth. It'd be weird to see if a Drew, like Arsenal, do love a swap deal, 
and apparently a Drew, yeah. Drew Luis swapped loan deal to the end of the season could be in, on the cards who do you reckon gets the better deal out of that then oh. I think it's another one that they both do well from yeah like Luis will probably play it's, it's who knows if he, he's a liability at the best of times Already, yeah, yeah. Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> much worse. Drew does have a good goal to games ratio, but saying that, so does Eden Dzeko, even though neither will be you'd never have confidence in either player going to a Premier League side and leading the line week in, week out. But both do have good goals to minutes ratios, yeah. And I do, I do appreciate what Chelsea are trying to do here, they're trying to get a different option, and mm. uh, especially a more someone who isn't option. crazy like Marat apparently is, yeah. Um, but also somebody with a bit more, a bit more of a target man sort yeah. of build, and I understand wanting that plan B and that different sort of style. But at the same time, all of the choices seem a little uninspired. Eden Jekyll's probably the best at a lot. Well, um, Andy Carroll was inspired. Oh no, let's please. Peter Crouch was the most inspired. Oh okay, okay. Uh, but uh, speaking of tall, big strikers, Latan Ibrahimovic seems like he's free to leave Manchester United. Yeah, Mourinho spoke in a press conference on Monday and just. Was you know if if Zlatan wants to go he can go and he said he he spoke Mourinho spoke as if he hadn't seen or heard of Zlatan in ages he was talking as if he he said the I think the phrase was the last time I spoke to him he wanted to you know play and win yeah like I know Zlatan is injured but it's as if he's already parted ways at Manchester United after the fanfare of when they brought him back. I don't yeah, know what's gone wrong whole, in that relationship. The whole thing of like, oh, a lion, like comparing himself to a lion, it's like, it feels like he came back too early and then like this is a, a career-threatening th- injury when you consider how old he is. Yeah. I think he just overestimated himself. I mean, yeah. How many major injuries has he ever dealt with in his career? No, I don't no, think. Yeah, no, he's he hasn't been relatively Yeah, that, you know? that was yeah. certainly the biggest. Yeah, exactly. So coming something that big, that late in your career... You know, he might be an experienced player, but he's not experienced coming back from these yeah. injuries and dealing with them. So even Zlatan mightn't be able to completely get over that. Um, so I think it is a bit odd that United went and renewed the contract over the summer while yeah. he was injured. Well, it looks like he might be released from the contract. Yeah. Which is even Like United, it was all for nothing. They won't even get a transfer fee from him. Yeah, it seems like just they threw a bit of money at Zlatan all for nothing then yeah, the last six months. He could go, like, I think Zlatan will end up at LA Galaxy, I think that's been clear for a America, while now. certainly. Yeah, in America, he wants to yeah. go to the MLS. He wants to experience that. He wants to be the big shot in another country in the biggest, you know, sporting market in the world. Even if MLS isn't that, so it's going to happen. Whether it happens now, before, like the LA Galaxy probably would prefer to have him in preseason, get him fit, and for their season start there in a couple of months from now. But it's it'd be a weird thing for Man United. Like they have signed Alexis. Is he taking up Zlatan's place in the squad, and does that fix everything? Um, uh, it's an, I don't I don't know. Is he taking his position in the squad? But I feel like that's Mourinho feels like it's a solution. Yeah, and I mean it is a bit of a solution. You know, Zlatan. I honestly think he's still a bit too good to go to America. You know, it's it's hard to tell. Mm. Will he still be that good when he comes back from the injury? But you know, he wasn't he wasn't bad by any means at United last year. No. He carried um, the team a lot he for did, a part yeah, of the season. He did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still a top, top player. So I can see why they'd try to keep him on. I just don't see why they're getting ready to get rid of him before he's had a chance to come back and show he's still that top, top I player. I think they doubt whether he is still that top, top player, though. Yeah, but then why re-sign him in the summer? You know, either go for it or don't. So don't... I think they took the risk and I don't think it's paid off. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's the way it is. It, but it's just poor management matches. Yeah. Right? And why is that surprising? Yeah, yeah that's very... Very true, and then uh, Laporte to City looks all but done. He's bought out of his contract. Yeah, they announced Atletico Bilbao announced that today on Twitter. I think they yep. said that the player has bought out his contract. It's done. Basically, yeah. City will announce and unveil him in a ceremony, and I think that's a great signing for Manchester City. For some bizarre reason, Laporte is a very strange character. He's a Frenchman that plays for Bilbao, which is he's only the second French person ever to play for Bilbao. You know, they've they very close. Yeah rules on yeah. who can play and where they're from and he passed that they test somehow they do yeah. yeah so he passed that test somehow I'm not really uh, sure how well there are French areas in the Basque yeah. there's I think uh, Gascony you yeah. know so pretty he must much be from that yeah, area. 50, 50 kilometre area on the south coast he was played and captained all the French underage teams up to yeah. under 21 and then he has failed to get into the the French side like he missed last Euro 2016 with uh, a knee injury that kept him out of the tournament 
and he's flirted with playing for Spain since what he's declared for France since that he wants to play and still hasn't played a game for them. So it's a very strange decision for one of the most talented all-round defenders. He's got pace, he's got vision, he can pass the ball, he play in the ground, he is Pep's dream. Yeah. Pep was linked with him when he was at Barcelona when this guy was 17, 18 years old. And you know he didn't go then, but he was also linked to Bayern and he was also, most recently, every club in Europe basically has been trying to sign Laporte for some time. Yeah, I think he's a great signing and he'll probably be a long-term replacement for your company at this point. Yeah, I think he fits into that mould. He's a leader. You know, He's been captain at various youth levels, as we said. He is what they are looking for. The only problem I'd see with that is you can look at that City team now and say John Stones and Emmerich Laporte, next 10 years, City's two starting centre-backs. How often does it work out like that? You know, seldom, very, seldom. very so seldom. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, absolutely. If everything goes right, this will be an inspired signing. I just, you know, I don't see it all falling into place that neatly. You know, I think somebody's going to get an injury. I think for the next six months, though, it'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't be as so sure on the short term. I think it is like you're saying. It's more of a long term. It's a long term gamble, if you will, that the the two players will be the two going forward. I don't think I think Laporte is going to struggle to adapt. We saw how rough a time Otamendi had yeah, when yeah. he joined, and he was one of the best defenders, considered one of the best defenders in Spain. It is a different game to defend in England yeah. than it is in Spain. Like there, yeah. there's a lot more. It's not that there's more physicality; it's the way they use physicality in England. It's a lot different the way it's done in in Spain, and I think he will struggle at first, and he'll need to be protected. Yeah, and it depends on the type of defender too, because Eric Bailly didn't really have that much difficulty transferring. No, he fit in after he Jay fit in, but he but he's injured. You know, he's, he's injured, injured now, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, it's he got injured yeah. on his national duty, though. No, but he was worn down because yeah, of the, yeah, the change yeah, of games. But also, Eric Bailly, we're talking about the type of defending. Defender, yeah. he is a... He is a complete Mourinho defender. He's the but one. But he's also a unit. Yeah. He is someone yeah. that you could kick, and yeah. he's not going to fall down. Laporte isn't built like that. Laporte is built in the Otamendi style of, you know, yeah. short, not that stocky, but, you know, more of a technical player than a really tall, lanky hard as nails defender the way Eric Bay is yeah no I completely agree that's what I was kind of trying to say yeah, yeah. that um, I think Laporte is going to have a, a harder time of it because of him mm. um, also the fact that he's had you know a couple of couple of injuries now yeah he, he did had his, the one yeah, yeah he did his ACL he did his ACL yeah, he's you know. back till March I think yeah um, you'd be worried about somebody like Laporte coming in who's also had the injury or two yeah um, Still young, I know, can put on, you know, you can put on more muscle, whatever. But yeah. you've got to be careful of bringing in a player like that yeah. who isn't used to it. He's got to be eased in. So I'd say, yeah, long term, it definitely could work out. And it's definitely a gamble worth taking. But at the same time, I just don't see it all going quite as well as you'd hope. Yeah. Yep, true. We don't know what next season lead. Like the last, I'm trying to think, what was the last great partnership in the Premier League for defenders? It's probably... There's probably been one since, well, Wes Morgan and Robert Hoots, probably. Yeah, for that, that one goes without saying. That one count? season. Yes, they do count. Um, but you're probably like Vidic and Ferdinand. Vidic, Ferdinand. And, you know, that, it did have a rocky start at, the, at first, yeah. but by the time yeah. the second season rolled around, yeah. they were the best defensive partnership in, yeah. in the Premier League. So there is, and they were, you know, but maybe not quite John Stones and, and Laporte, but, you know, they're not a huge amount away from that the way... I mean, um, I think what helped there is that Ferdinand was the more ball-playing, adventurous defender, yeah. and he was playing in England since he was, you know, playing in the Premier True. League since he was 18. But he John Stones is that... Ferdinand John Stones, yeah. Ferdinand's a little further developed, but yeah. that's a completely different discussion. Was, it well. is. Double it record is. signing for Real Ferdinand. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, moving on to the Premier League, there's midweek fixtures this week, uh, so we thought we might as well preview what's coming up. On Tuesday night, uh, Swansea host Arsenal. Swansea got a big scalp last Monday. We weren't able to talk about it until now. Can they Can they get one over on Arsenal as well? So they managed to beat Liverpool last week when we, we just as we were recording, so we missed that one. Yeah. But you know that is that is what happens with podcasting. Uh, I don't think Swansea have it in them. I think they are. There's weird infighting going on still in that squad. They don't have a identity or character. I think they got very fortunate to beat some kind of dysfunctional Liverpool side who I don't know what happened to them and it's yet to be proved what's happened to them. They've lost another, they lost at the weekend in the FA Cup against West Brom who are a bit of a bogey team for Liverpool but still it's not a good trend that their best performance of the season was followed up by two awful performances and Swansea 
you know, they're still down at the bottom of the table. They I, do love a big win against Arsenal, though. They do, but not in recent times. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, you got to look at that Swansea team. And really, they didn't beat Liverpool because they were great. They beat Liverpool because Liverpool were awful. Yeah. Who's going to score goals for Swansea? Like? I mean, like the, Swansea's defence is solid yeah. to a point. Yeah, they just one get, of the better defenses in the league, I think. Last yeah. time I checked, anyway. Yeah, they have a good goalie, and they have good, you know, they have good structure, they have good organisation, which I don't think it was lacking under under Paul no. Clement. No, but it's just they have no one yeah. to score goals. Well, that's that's down to the midfield. There's no creativity there. There's yeah, they no lost chances. Sigerson. That yeah. was the biggest yeah. loss they had. Like yeah, if they absolutely. had Sigerson, they'd probably be comfortably up where, like not Leicester, are, but where you know, think of different teams that are in tenth, eleventh, twelfth. West Ham, yeah. West Ham are you know after yeah. a rocky start. You could easily see them up there, but I'd, they're the foot of the table or yeah, the bottom? near bottom and West Brom are second last. Yeah, both of those teams, I don't see them pulling out of that and I don't see them getting a result over Arsenal even though they're at home and Arsenal are, you know, still Arsenal. Mm. Uh, both, both of those teams beat Liverpool, but Liverpool have a chance now to bounce back away at Huddersfield and are Huddersfield kind of an ideal opponent for Liverpool at this point? Well, Wagner, or... Jurgen Klopp was the Huddersfield manager's best man at his wedding. Yeah. So they do know each other, and you could see when they were. You know, I'm not a Huddersfield fan or anything like it, but you saw when Huddersfield played Liverpool earlier in the season. I wouldn't have liked the manager of my club to be that pally with yeah. the manager of the yeah. opposition team who just beaten them. Yeah. You know? Um, also, Huddersfield, the way they played that day, I mean, it was a bit suicidal, really. Yeah. You know, they weren't nearly defensive enough. They tried to take this attacking. Well, the Gagan press that both these managers yes. like that really high octane football yeah. that suits Liverpool so well they're probably the best team in the world at it you know yeah. you don't they're set go. up to play they, exactly that, yeah. you don't want to do that against Liverpool you know the thing is though they made similar mistakes against Tottenham at home yeah. earlier in the season but then they followed that up by learning from those mistakes and sitting deeper and trying to catch the team out on a bigger team out on the break by beating Manchester United and well, they tried it against Man City again and obviously Man City were just too good for them so we could see them try to do something similar against Liverpool again. Well, do you trust Wagner to go up to his best man, his best friend, two men with similar ideologies and say, you know what, you're better at this, so I'm going to have to you know, completely give up all of that and just try to beat you? Uh, that's just the question. Yeah. I you think know? that is a good question, but it's, maybe Wagner will take the pragmatic approach. I mean, yeah, if it means, if it means sacrificing you know, the football he has pride in, I... Not sure if he's willing to do that for a game he's probably going to lose anyway. Yeah, you know he might just go all guns ablaze and say this yeah. is what we do, this is who we are. Personally, the fact there's been no movement on Huddersfield trying to sign any players, and you know it's a long Premier League season. They're going to start dropping their players. Are going to start dropping, you know, due to tiredness and injury. It's going to yeah. happen. I'm going to worry a bit about Huddersfield. I I think between themselves and Brighton, Brighton are making moves in the transfer market. They're signing. Backup players. They just signed uh, uh, Choa today. Brighton did. They signed him back from oh, Leicester. Oh, yeah. Ejoa from from Leicester. You know they're making signings that are good for the long term safety of the club this season. Huddersfield aren't doing that. They're relying on Wagner. They're relying on their gig and press. They're relying on their tactics, out tacticking all their managers. I don't know how long that's going to work for. Like for whatever you say about a lot of these English managers that are still they, they all got the job. Sam Allardyce, Alan Pardew, Roy Hodgson. They do figure things out. It might take them a while, but they do figure things out. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that they still keep getting reappointed, and it's not purely because they're English. Yeah, they they are good at doing certain things yeah. as managers. And I worry about Huddersfield. They're, I expect them to lose this match. And good looking forward into their fixtures. They play well against the big sides, as we said. Like they, they, they but they do lose. Like they played very well against Man City. So lost. Yeah, they lost four nil, I think, to Arsenal earlier in the season. Five nil. Yeah. Five nil to Arsenal. Yeah. They were, I think, it was it was very close until the seventy fifth minute, and then they just collapsed. Yeah. yeah, losing those goals is going to hurt their goal difference, and they're trying so hard against these big teams, and they're not getting anything. Yeah. hurting themselves then when they play the smaller teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Brighton. Brighton looked like the perfect example of a championship club that you know come up and are well run, know yeah. what they're about, know what they're trying to do, know how they're going to survive in yeah. the Premier League, and so far, you know, I won't say they're clear of the danger by any means but they still look better than some of the teams under them yeah and that's just the way it's going to go I think between now and the end of the season Brighton will prove to be a very good side 
and Huddersfield, it can go either way. There, yeah. is, there is some bad teams in Premier yeah. League this season. So I mean, yeah, they have the potential to be that Swansea team that came up under. Was it Martinez who brought them up first? No, Brendan Rodgers. Rodgers, right. They have the potential to be yeah. that Swansea team, and they've also got the potential to be that Blackpool team. Yeah. That were fantastic yeah. and got relegated, and now League One, I think. Oh, Blackpool are. Yeah. Completely, yeah. yeah. That's, that's complete League Two, possibly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then Chelsea on the Wednesday night host Bournemouth, who they've got a pretty good record against. Yeah, Bournemouth don't really have much of a chance in this match. They played well against Arsenal, their last big game outing. Yeah, they won that match. If I if I remember correctly, uh, yeah, it was two one. Yeah, yeah, that's I I think Chelsea they're making the signings, they're reading around the thing. I think this is a nailed on Chelsea victory just because this is one of those going through the motions. Chelsea, victories. yeah, they need to keep pace with Manchester United after was it Chelsea lose the last time out in the Premier League. Um, um, draw with Leicester was draw. that the last game was or that the, the game we've already forgotten last. last week? But Chelsea, you know, they drop points and Manchester United won. So yeah. they drop points on Manchester United. They're still chasing that second place. Yeah. That's going to keep you know keep yeah. them motivated. And if there are more players coming in, it might keep a lot of the players you know worrying for their place because a lot of them are very safe. Like I know there's been a lot of talk about Iguala Kante not having any competition in the squad anymore with Matic gone and no one realistically going to play instead of him and him just playing poorly. I don't think he's that's why he's playing poorly. I think he might just be. They might have been figured out at this point. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's one of the bigger problems with Chelsea. That um, they've got six or seven players who are, you know, at home in a top top team, and then mm. they've got a couple of bits and pieces that just don't seem to fit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it doesn't help that um, Kante is no competition, but at the same time, I'd say he's not the player that drives the game. You know, mm. he needs he looks better in a team that's playing well. Yeah. And Chelsea aren't at the moment, which I think contributes to him looking poor. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he's he's one of those supporting players in the team. He's not he's not going to look better than the team like Eden Hazard will, mm. who he can look absolutely amazing no matter how bad Chelsea are. Yeah, and yeah, Chelsea's big problem is a reliance on those key players like Hazard. You know, and going forward. Goal. Yeah, that's, I mean that's just how it is. But I still. I would back them. Yeah, I'd still back them to win this. You know, every game there's a fifty percent chance of Hazard, you know, creating a goal. Yeah. Anyways, never mind that Morata's still a good player. You know, hasn't been great recently, but you know, good player. Batshuayi, he's got two recently. He might even get a start. You know, if he's very if, lucky. If he's not sold by the time the match comes <laughs> yeah. around, which is a distinct possibility. Absolutely. Because we yeah. only have the transfer deadline day is Wednesday. It is yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday midnight. Thursday or not? No, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Wednesday I or it's, it's, eleven. It's yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Um, then you've Ross Barkley on the bench. Who did you hear Conte's comments after the Arsenal game? Yeah. Awful. I mean, you don't want to hear that as a new player. You just what were the comments exactly? The just so. Um, so, he Conte was complaining about uh, William, wasn't it, who was injured? Yeah, yeah, William was injured. injured, and Conte said he only had Ross Barkley on the bench. Bring on! Yeah, what do you what, expect what, what when do you expect? I only have this Ross is Barkley? All I have, this Ross yeah. Barkley character. I mean, he was making a complaint about the transfers, and I mean, he did go on to um, mellow out the criticism yeah. a little bit. He was explaining that Ross Barkley's only in what a week and a half and he, he hasn't, hasn't trained with the team yeah. he hasn't played in ages he's not used to the yeah. team he's not up to speed with he everything was terrible Ross Barkley. yes you know you sent off in a couple yeah. of minutes you can't you can't expect him like there is a point there you can't expect him to be up to scratch straight away at the same time you know even when he's full of game time fully fit focused ready to go out there do you think he's going to replace Fabregas no nah. No, he doesn't do what Fabregas does better than him. He doesn't do what Kante does better than him. I don't think he does what Drinkwater does better than no, him. No, he's know? not that type of player. He no. is, a, for lack of a better expression, a Steven Gerrard type box to box Hollywood moment player, mm. and that does not fit into the Chelsea no. model in no. any way. No. They're very functional. They have been since Hazard joined the club. Yeah, like Hazard is there. He's the creative force. They'll have someone to counterpoint him in either William or Pedro or someone of that. I don't think. Uh, whatchamacallum I've lost his name Ross Barkley can play out the right wing nah. or can play as a counterpoint to Hazard he is like a Frank Lampard running into the box getting on the end of goals and that's not what Chelsea playing at the moment it was a strange signing like it was like Ross Barkley was linked oh he's a, he's a high quality player he's in England internationally he's played at tournaments he's very sought after but he doesn't fit into any top team nah. And I mean, four years ago, Ross Barkley was probably a better player than he is right now. You know, that's when everybody was after him. And it seems, 
you know, the clubs didn't quite realise, oh, it's four years later. He's not this young talent. He's, you know, 25? Uh, I'm not sure he's coming up on that he's, now, yeah. he's coming up you know he's not it's not old by any means but it's not young and promising it's, it's too close to his peak to yeah, yeah you know he's peaking in two or three years now he can't be expected to get all that much better yeah so yeah a, it was a weird signing like, it, was. it was expected because it was like where else are you going to go Chelsea is where he's expected to I'd go I'd say just because he was cheap enough relative to the market and he's, he's English, English. Yeah. he helps I with their quotas I think that's ultimately why he was signed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a terrible signing, but Chelsea do need something else. You know, they're yeah. far too reliant on Hazard. Yeah. If they yeah. ever lose Hazard, they're in trouble. And Similar to yeah. we, we've spoken, and I know we're about to move on to it, but Harry Kane at, yeah. at Spurs. I don't know if any of you have seen the, the opposition report that Newport County put out no, on Spurs. They sent, a, they sent like an opposition scout to the Andrewville's boss character to... See, uh, see Spurs play Southampton and they butchered the Spurs team went through all the weaknesses and all the players in the Spurs team how you know uh, Eric Dyer is one dimensional he's slow Eric Mellett doesn't even try he's a liability Son doesn't doesn't do anything off the ball at all Deli Ali does very little and is actually a very limited player if you actually observe him for long periods of time and it's wholly reliant on Harry Kane to do something yeah. And it's it's amazing when they put it in bl- in black and white facts. Yeah. It actually oh you're you're right. Yeah. And it's kind of what we've been saying for a while that like Spurs are a ticking time bomb. They you know at the, we talk about in different ways that they lost a lot. They lost uh, Kyle Walker at the beginning of the season. Yeah. They could lose Danny Rose pretty soon, and they could have an you know an outset of many. Mm, players. Christian Eriksen is injured at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. which isn't helping. Yeah, no. helping he's pivotal. He's side, he's no. he's the other big one I put yeah. up there with Kane. You know, he's yeah. also a top top class yeah. player. I mean, apart like, from that, Spurs. Yeah, like Loris was a top class player and yeah. probably can be one, but his form has just been so I poor just for such like a long he time. Had a mistake in him as well, and it's been bad yeah. the whole season. It's been yeah. bad since late last I season, mean, and the defense. You know, they're half getting injured. Yeah, you know. The players like Harry Winks, you know, he overrated. He's, I think he's decent. He's, he's not. decent, but he's not. He's not a Christian Eriksen. No. He, he's, he's come not. from nowhere to all of a sudden be this highly rated player. Like he, this is. But why is he highly rated? He's never yeah, done anything yeah, to deserve merit being highly rated. Christian yeah, Eriksen played point. for Spurs for several seasons before yeah. he got to. And that's yeah, that's 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 a trope at Spurs. You know, mm. Deli Ali came from MK Dons. This ad, he's out of nowhere. You know. Yeah, but he did score those amazing goals. He's had some amazing highlight reel moments, but yeah. he's also had moments where he's completely out of the game yeah. when they really need him. You know, like you that Southampton match, yeah. which goes on undocumented. Yeah. No one really picked up until yeah. Ali being absent-minded yeah. during and that just, match. Just wait three months. Harry Kane saved them. Just wait three months. He'll be back in form a bit. He'll score another two scorchers, yeah. and people will be going, "Oh my god, look at how good this guy yeah. is!" Yeah, you know. Um, but it showed like Newport got a draw in the FA Cup yeah, against yeah. Spurs yeah. because they, they did their. I'd say their opposition strategist is going to get picked up pretty soon because yeah. he seemed to have nailed yeah. everything on the head. Gave it back to his manager, and the manager executed the plan. They could yeah. have come away with a big cup upset if it wasn't yeah. for one Harry Kane. Yeah, and like they've gone from Newport now. They play Manchester United this week on Wednesday. That's kind of the big match of this week. Mm. And like at they, Wembley, where they yeah. still don't have a good record. And do you know who has a good record at Wembley? Manchester United and Jesse Lingard. He always scores at Wembley. It's this how weird... many games has he played at Wembley though? He, like two or for Manchester United. Anyway, <laughs> he scored in his last three appearances at Wembley. Oh my God. Like so he is informed by far the most informed player at the, yeah. at the club. They've signed Alexis Sanchez, who has had an all right season despite all his troubles at Arsenal. And he still, had a, like an all right debut, you know, all things yeah. considered. Well, against yeah, yeah, against yeah. weak opposition. Who are they playing? Yeovil, Yeovil yeah. Town. You know, not the strongest team in the world, but yeah, there's players there. There seems to be a relative calmness in that squad. You know, Mourinho hasn't been attacking like his whole, players for some time now. The whole side kind of mellowed out in the last month. And yeah. And to just pick up form again quietly. Yeah. And there's, you know, all this talk of like Mourinho, like I know if you want to talk about, you know, weird fan theories and, you know, the conspiracy against Mourinho by the press. There has been very little of that in the last month yeah. Yeah. for people to attack Mourinho on. He has done not that much since... The last time there was a scandal at Manchester United. Yeah, apart from all the little sli- sniping with Antonio Conte. Apart um, from that, but that it's, it's been fair. That, that feels like so ago. long that ago. Was, yeah, was, yeah. Was I mean, it's what it couldn't be more than two weeks ago. I'd yeah. say it was really. two, maybe three weeks ago now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but like but since, know, then, since then, since then, January rolls on. Yeah. yeah, but in the last week, he signed a contract extension at Manchester United, two-year extension, I think, or one year. 
as we just saw about long term planning on Manchester United they signed the most short term manager that there is in yeah. Premier League football and and it looks like they might be getting the longest shelf life out of him out of all the clubs he's been to well I think the, the, well, the is the it day, too early too early it's, it's too early to say because uh, the, when the announcement was made I saw a few posts that were I saw a few pictures of old news headlines that were like oh Chelsea delighted to announce contract extension yeah, it's happened Inter before. Milan Real Madrid, Real Madrid yeah. all delighted to announce a new contract extension and, and only for him to leave the following season. Yeah, it has happened before and like if you look at the long-term building, he's alienated young players in the squad or loaned them out. His you know, top goal scorer last season was, what, 35 last season? Yeah. Is that on Ibrahimovic? I, I didn't even get to 30, I don't think. No, but he was 35, 35 years old. old. Oh, right, okay. I had to make goals. Uh, his biggest signing, who's on the most money in the Premier League, I think now, uh, he's on Sanchez, a 180 yeah. million contract over yeah. four years. Yeah, it's the most. Something bizarre like And that. he's 29 years old. Yeah. So, you know, there isn't, there does not seem to be long-term thinking there. I know they've signed Pogba, they've signed Lukaku, but around them, they're all aging players. Yeah. I and mean, I don't see Mourinho fixing that problem. I think it was a bizarre decision from Ed Woodward. I know he's fearful. I don't know what he's fearful of, the stock market price changing on the on the shares or something his job. his job maybe and he needs to have Mourinho there even if you know it doesn't make any sense footballing wise to, to sign him up in the middle of the season where they you know they haven't had a terrible season like they did last year but they haven't had a great season either but and it's still been their best season since Ferguson retired yeah but but that's I, not a high I watch bar. out it's not a high bar but they also have a huge outlay where previous managers didn't have that same outlay I mean, well, Van Hal spent a lot of money as well. Not to the extent that Mourinho has. Uh, Van Hal spent an awful lot of money. To be fair, he spent I about two hundred and fifty million with Van Hal, I think. Yeah, yeah, but Mourinho's only been there a season and a half, and he's equal that. No, but it was like two hundred. The two hundred. Yeah, it's semantics. I think. So. Yeah, yeah, and um, they both spent an absolutely yeah. extortionate amount yeah. of money. But I think with United, they might actually be able to get away with such a short-term manager because they have that money, you know? The Real Madrid you effect. Yeah, basically, because, you know, they can just go out and say, hey, we need another striker, let's buy Alexis Sanchez. You know? Yeah. City were deciding, no, this is too much money for us. Yeah. Chelsea, you know, got a sniff of it a couple of months back and just said, no, the money's far too much for us. Yeah. Um, so, trying yeah. To build, the other clubs seem to be trying to build a long-term sustainable platform. Even the Galacticos of, or the Galacticos in the right way, but the the oil-funded teams in Chelsea and in Man City seem to want to build a long-term project. Well, They're both investing yeah. heavily in academies. We know Chelsea for years now have won the FA Youth Cup, have loaned out 50-odd yeah. players a season. It's probably too much. And Man City have one of the finest academies now in the world. They're certain to feed players to other clubs, even if they're not coming through the first team. Things are happening. I'd, I'd honestly say that Chelsea aren't even in that super rich category anymore I don't think they can afford to spend the money City and PSG do yeah because um, maybe they're already yeah, now sustainable I mean, yeah, they're, well I wouldn't even say that they're owned by Abramovich he's worth 6 billion or something yeah. completely insane amount of money but it's, City's owners are sitting a on 100 state. billion yeah, you know it's a country and, and not just that Chelsea uh, I think they spent the third most in England behind the two Manchester clubs but they financed that by selling an yeah. awful lot yeah, of players, yeah. you know. They're adhering by financial. Exactly, play, they are. They are. Man, Man United are because they have such they have large yeah, revenue in yeah, the world. Yeah. Huge revenue. City, City are getting sponsored by Etihad Airways or whatever. Ridiculous the, amounts yeah, that are probably they are not getting, right. They are getting sponsorship money to the tune of you know however much they need. Yeah. You know, I think their shirt deal is not the shirt deal. Yeah, the shirt advertising deal is worth something like three times Chelsea's. Yeah, and it was signed four years ago, which is you know. Completely insane. At the yeah. time, there's no comparison between the clubs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Chelsea have to be a little bit less aggressive with the money than the other two. Mm. So, um, really, they can't afford to be as short-term as United mm. are being. They have to do it. City are even more dangerous because they don't have to be short-term. Or they don't have to be long-term, but they're doing it, and it's looking kind of successful at the moment. Yeah. They seem to get the best, best of both worlds. Yeah. Do you think there's a possibility that we could see a breakaway... In that, you know, we had the top four, then we had the top five, the top six, back to being a top four. Do you think there's a possibility that we could expand into a, a top two and just have the two Manchester clubs, Man City funded by the Petrodollars and their great organisational structure, and Manchester United sponsored by their, you know, amazing revenue and world standing, and then cutting everyone else out the way that we already see Liverpool have fallen away, Arsenal have fallen away. 
you know, Spurs have never really got up yeah, to that level I, quite. I, that's that's what it kind of was when for Ferguson's last like three or four years and Mancini Mancini was uh, at Manchester City. Like it was a title race between the two Manchester clubs. Yeah, I but mean, that's what I'm saying. You see, but a, a strict I, a separation between them, not just based on footballing terms, because clubs have peaks and troughs. But this is just going to be complete separation where. Like Manchester United can go and spend in Chris at Christmas, however much, or just give one of their best players to an opposing team, yeah, and it not matter at all. And everyone, no, oh, we got a good deal out of that. Or City can drop however much they've just dropped on a, a injury prone, yeah. unlikely to feature hugely in the last six months of the season defender from Spain. Yeah, you know, I I would say that once you get to a certain amount of money, there's diminishing returns. Mm. You know, um, I don't know where that cutoff is exactly. You know, if it's too far above. You know Chelsea Arsenal's level of money, then you know maybe they will drop behind. But um, I think it is a bit too early to completely say that those two will pull away. Um, you mentioned Ferguson's last years. Chelsea won the title in 2010. They were second in 2011, and only really fell away in 2012 and 13. So his last two years. Yeah. You know, it's not quite as big a gap. And then they yeah. came back and won it in 2014. I reckon Chelsea have enough money and have enough. I don't know, long-term planning. They've had a structure. The same board of directors been there for 10 years now. I think they have enough to kind of stay competitive. Maybe there'll be years like this where they're 10, 15 points off. But at the same time, there'll be years where they'll be right up there and competitive with those peaks and troughs. I think they're good enough. They'll probably be a little below most of the time, but I think they're good enough to stay in touch. And if yeah. revenues and everything. If continues. revenues, yeah, you and know, I mean, TV money stays yeah. the same, and they're able to compete on wages with European clubs. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. at the moment, Premier League is miles ahead of everyone else. Yeah, and I'd say for that reason, Arsenal, Liverpool, also have the potential to do that. I don't think Tottenham do. I don't think they have the money to do that. You know, I don't think they're going to be able to stay in touch unless they keep Harry Kane. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because he's one of the players who can just smash all those money things all those problems and just you know he's a joy to watch at times yeah but to bring it back to the match on Wednesday who who's, who is going to win this match uh, it's in ta- or in Wembley it's on Wembley it's yeah. in Wembley I almost think that helps United more so are you saying am I United win um, yeah I call it 2-1 I'm going to say it's a draw because Manchester United will play for a draw and Spurs are Spurs yeah I, I think it'll be a draw as well that's Not just to, so. Not to dampen everyone's expectations before the big match. If a team is going to win, okay, I'll make, I'll, I'll go. I'll Be say, bold. I think Man United are more likely to win. Yeah. Uh, that will do us for part one. Join us after part two, where we will discuss VAR. On Saturday evening, a rare late 7.45 kickoff at Anfield saw West Brom dump Liverpool out of the FA Cup at a 3-2 result. So far, this was the best glimpse of VAR being used in England. There were three incidents in which it was used. It correctly ruled out a West Brom goal for offside, correctly called a penalty for Liverpool, which Firmino subsequently missed, and was then used to cement the validity of West Brom's third goal. Yet, there was outrage. What did you two make of it? Uh, Well, one, VAR is still not quite being implemented correctly and everyone's agreement over that that it's referees don't know what's going on there's confusion they're obviously the, the players don't know what's going on so everyone's kind of like what's going on is it far are we doing this is this a goal is this not a goal is this a penalty there's delays happening people are unhappy as a result of this no one knows how to deal with it and there is enough there isn't enough communication it's lacks some of the polish that there is in other sports that use var and it also has some of the problems that other sports that use VAR have. Like in the NFL, there was huge, there's still huge issues yeah. with using video assessment free, and they've been using it for years yeah. because they sent everything off to New York, where the VAR center is for decisions to be made, rather than it being even in the stadium. And this is, you know, affecting the football match, and nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. Personally, I want VAR. I think it's great. It can be great. It can resolve so many situations before they have to create a conflict or a scandal or before they really affect a match if a player bunch, if you know think back to Zinedine Zidane in the 2006 World Cup yeah if that hadn't been seen by the assistant referee on a big screen Zidane would have got away with it no yeah. one else saw Zidane headbutt yeah. Marco Materazzi in the chest and he would have got away with it and that could have changed the complexion of the final that went to penalties yeah. for God's sake and Zidane could have 
yeah. easily scored if David Teresa game missed. But today, that wouldn't ever have got away. There wouldn't have even been a discussion. Oh, that was definitely going to be picked up. Like these things happen all the time, and they're not missed. Or they're not seen. But VAR would see. Think of, for instance, the Manchester United Swansea match. I want to say, where it was at Lukaku and Obong. And oh, Obong, are we talking Brighton, about the Brighton, Brighton, yeah. apologies, Brighton and Obong yeah. were clashing in the midfield or in the box from a set play. And then Man United scored, even though Lukaku had thrown the defender to the ground. Even then, the corner shouldn't have been a corner. Exactly, but I don't think a corner yeah, was. Yeah, that's true. But this yeah. is the problem, and this is what and critics yeah. of VAR are going to raise, that a corner should never go into it. Yeah. But the resulting decision like should have gone into VAR, and if that had happened during the Liverpool-West Brom match, it would have probably been reviewed by VAR. Like, I have no problem with a VAR a video assistant referee constantly reviewing everything that's going on as best and letting the referee know, which I know people do have problems with. I don't mind them doing that at all. It's just, the, you know, there has to be correct implementation of it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think your point about looking to other sports is fantastic because that's, I think, with football, the amount of money in it, the amount of organisation in it, they should be able to come up with the best one in the world, really. Yeah. You know, And if you look at the NFL... And the principle they have there is that when you go to VAR, um, the, co- the call on the field stands unless there's significant evidence proving otherwise. Yeah. Okay? I think that's a good baseline. You back the referee unless there's clear evidence that he's got it wrong. Yeah. And second, if you look at rugby union, um, the video ref will bring it back if he spots something you know, completely major that was wrong or, you know, yeah. that shouldn't have we'll happened. alert or, the referee. Exactly. That, yeah. He'll tell the referee. The referee needs that help so he doesn't have to call everything all the time. But also, sometimes the referee does have to call something. He sees it. He's not sure. Did that, you know, he got pulled yeah. down there. Am I calling that a free? Am I calling or play on? Yeah. Um, those are the times he needs to go to it himself, you know. So there's got to be a level, a sort of balance between the video referee and the referee doing it and... When you do bring up VAR, you've got to see absolutely, you know, 100% something clear to overrule what the referee's already yeah. called. Um, going beyond that, I think that, um, what was it? I had a point. I had a point. Uh, it'll come to me. It'll, it'll come, come to me. Come, I hate this. It'll come to me. Um, well, just to, to, to jump in, at the moment, VAR, and I agree with you entirely, VAR is not straightforward it's not standardized we've had this issue in germany and in italy where the referees are running over to check recheck decisions on monitors when that shouldn't be really be allowed the var has the like i know in rugby in certain in rugby union as we said you can sometimes the ref will look up at the replay given by the yeah. assistant referee up on the big screen and then give a decision on it i don't necessarily agree with that happening in association football it doesn't really make sense to it and there isn't always that infrastructure in place in, in most places that yeah that's, that's the thing that I I notice or that's the thing I have noticed most when watching uh, matches where an incident involving VAR has come up like it happened for the penalty decision with uh, I think it was Salah who was tripped up in the box by Gareth Barry yeah. and Craig Pawson he was, in, he was informed in his mic or in his earpiece oh there's been an incident in the box and he went over and went to look at it, and that's why that incident ended up taking four minutes to decide. Yeah. He, there needs to be a trust between yeah. the person watching it on the screen and the person actually refereeing the match. Yeah, yeah. no, um, I think, first, there is the major problem with the way that rugby does it looking up at the screen is that those replays are not shown by the video ref, they are shown by the TV company, yeah. you know? And when you're talking about, I don't know, Ireland versus England, if it's the Irish, if it's happening in Ireland, the Irish TV... Um, more system. Favorable, exactly, they're showing replays. the replays that show the England guy fouling. Yeah. If it's the Irish lad fouling, they're showing the replays that kind of obscure it. You can't really see. Yeah. That is a problem. Um, you don't want that. You I don't, don't want exactly. Yeah, I don't think that uh, replays should be shown up on the screen yeah. while very uh, yeah. involved incident is being reviewed. Like, but I think that. Um, Oh, I had a point as well. No, well, like, I've lost <laughs> I understand there is and a lot of criticism is coming. Oh, no one in the stadium knows what's going on. The journalists don't know what's going on. The fans don't know what's going on. That's that's the point I was going to make. Because in rugby, when they're reviewing a try incident, say, for like it's a, it's an important moment. Uh, if the try is being given, then there's a clear hand signal. He blows the whistle and he puts his hand up, 
and it indicates that there's been a try. The whole stadium is able to cheer. You can clearly hear the cheering every yeah. time. I'm emphasizing the cheering because people seem to really like celebrating. That's yeah. one of the arguments yeah. I've seen. But uh, then if the try isn't given, the referee does this no action with his hands. Yeah. You can clearly tell everyone yeah. in the stadium yeah. knows it's not a try. We need something similar yeah. in football. I, yeah, I've got my point back, finally. Um, first, with the whole thing on the showing it on TVs, I still actually would be in favour of it, despite you know the problems with it. Yeah. I'd say it need to be handled like the re- replays being shown need to be shown by the video ref. He's the yeah. one calling the which shots, you, which and you I'd, can't do. But the thing is, I I'd say it has to happen on the replays because of that reason, so everybody knows what's going on, so that there's clarity. Because if the refs just running off to the side, you're getting the live crowd has two or three minutes of absolutely nothing happening. Yeah, I and don't, I don't agree. With, like my point with it was, I don't agree with the referee running off to the side. You should be, yeah. like you said, implicit trust between the VAR and the and the main referee, the match referee. The match referee's decision should stand first and foremost. If it is 100% sure that the match referee is wrong, the VAR should let the match referee you're 100% wrong. And the referee has to take that on board. And if they don't take that on board, that's their problem. Regarding replays, I don't think it's possible to structure the infrastructure in a way that replays are available on every ground for every decision that could possibly go to VAR in the top flights of yeah. European leagues. The reason I say that is because they'll always have that bias from TV companies who do run it or the stadium itself who do run the images yeah. coming out of the place saying, oh, we'll just see what the referee sees. The referee's probably working on multiple monitors, yeah. control, putting things down to a second, a slow-mo camera to actually see, oh, what was their contact between the boot and the player or blah, 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 like that? Yeah. Or was there actually a handball in that instant? Whatever the VAR decision may be. But I do acknowledge you do need crowd interaction with the situation. The problem yeah. I have, though, then, is then the players can see the incident, and that's, I think, the last thing you want yeah. to see. Yes. Because yeah. in other sports, like rugby, like NFL, there is an intrinsic respect between the yeah. players. They know they can't touch the yeah. referee. They can't do anything to the referee. They can, they'll have to be polite to the referee at every call. That is not the case in football in any country I've ever seen. They are vile, they are screaming, they are shouting, they are swearing, they are giving out. They Everyone is, the managers are, the fans are. There isn't that respect in football that there is in yeah. other sports towards referee and officials. I agree, yeah. And so you, you need to have a, 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 like a, a compromise between it. And I think the easiest compromise to do is to actually include the fans, like you're saying, you know, when a, in rugby union, when there's a, a try and there's been a touchdown over the end line, the ref, everyone knows if it's given, the ref raises their hand and blows the whistle and everyone cheers. What you do is you build up suspense and you put like on the screen does like a VAR logo or something yeah, like yeah. this. And every, oh, it's a VAR. And what is it? And what is it? And it builds. And if you have a quicker response time, which I'm sure they're working on improving yeah. as time goes on, it will improve with technology and with trust things will improve you build up a suspense and suddenly fire becomes this is a really exciting part of the match oh let's look at this yeah. like I can't abide by the notion that oh we're going to give uh, challenges to managers no that no, is a horrible yeah. idea you, you, the ref, the refereeing of the match, the officiating of the rules has to stay with the referee. Yeah, it, it can't yeah. go anywhere else. It's not tennis. It'll, it's not cricket. No. It'll turn into that um, that last minute substitute. You know, you yeah. use it to waste time at the end. And I mean, I completely agree with everything you said. And um, coming back to the point I'd forgotten earlier, um, I think a brilliant introduction that we could take from rugby is miking up the referees, because all right, it doesn't work for the fans in the stadium, but the fans at home finally get to hear what's oh, going on you know you hear it would be wonderful but they yeah. they did it once in a 1991 yeah, documentary I this as well I think where they mic'd up it was Arsenal against I don't remember who Arsenal were playing but it was yeah, definitely I, Arsenal yeah, because this was the time of the you know the rock solid Arsenal defence yeah. with Tony Adams Steve Ball Lee Dixon Nigel Winterburn and they were vile people to the referee that day and there was a lot of swearing and a lot of aggression directed directly towards the referee, and the referee absorbed all that. And I don't think football would have the same homely appeal if you saw what the players were doing every week. And I do, I understand that if we did it, the players would soon learn to behave. Yeah. I, 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 just I, would don't love see it as well. Yeah. I would love it as well. But I, I don't think even do in it. this in this West Brom Liverpool match, there was a point where Chris Brunt said something. I wasn't paying full attention. I didn't hear it. But whoever the BT Sport commentator was, was like, oh, apologies if you heard or were offended by any of Chris Brunt's words picked up by the mics there. Like, yeah, you have to be so careful. Yeah, yeah, no, and I do see that. But I mean, if 
ref started giving yellows for swearing, <coughs> like it says they should in the rules, yeah. that would go away really quickly. Yeah. You know, if they gave him yellows for surrounding the ref, there'd it be a was, lot less of that too. You know, all this that's, happen, that's what, it, like, you know, if you want to do VAR, you want to do it right. I think that's part of it, you know, getting the yellows for dissent, getting the yellows for um, swearing, getting the yellows for surrounding the referee. It'll help, you know, get more respect for the referee, clean up the game a bit. And I think Mike and the rest would help too. It shows that they're accountable. It shows um, you can hear when there's a VAR incident coming in. So if you're sitting at home, it doesn't help the fans in the stadium. But yeah. if you're sitting at home, you actually yeah. know what's going on. There's, there's a transparency. There is, yeah. And I mean, it works so well in rugby union. And you get a sense of character it from the rest. It works not just rugby union. It works well in NFL. Yeah, works well yeah. In, like in most US sports that have applied like video technology to officiating, it does work well. Yeah. It is having teething problems. In what? Germany, they do it for offside calls, and it's not worked. They've had issues with getting the drawing the line straight mm. for offside decisions. Yeah. You know, it's not yet at the perfect stage, but like the way people are talking at the moment, and they've been talking for a few weeks since this was first introduced in England, right at the turn of the year. It's as if they've ruined the game, and this will all be thrown out because it clearly doesn't work. Like you said at the beginning of this whole piece, there were no decisions that were incorrect in that. Yeah, they yeah. just took time. Yeah. The only problem well, I had with the implementation of it in this match was the checking of the third West Brom goal because that game, that goal had no reason. Like there was nothing that appeared wrong with it. Yeah, and there was about a minute and a half of them. It was the referees yeah. second guessing themselves. Yeah, yeah and that Which shouldn't yeah. really and that, be permitted. Yeah, and that absolutely is a problem in rugby too. There's too many stoppages. There's times yeah. where you go, that was fine, that was all fine, and the ref stopped it. But to, just to go back to my last point again, I'm miking up the refs. You get a sense of the personality and what they'll let go and what they won't. Yeah. It'll help ease out that frustration at the inconsistency in calls. Mm-hmm. The referee will go, no, he only, you know, it was rough, but it wasn't a foul. You know, the other ref will go, absolutely too much contact, that's a foul. Yeah. You'll get to know the refs, you know. You'll know that um, this ref does this and this ref lets yeah. the game go a little more. And it'll help going into it. It'll help for the fans. The managers, I'm sure, already know this. I'm sure there's some scout whose job it is to say this referee is strict, so we keep it. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure the managers and the teams know it. But for the fans, it would be fantastic. We've talked about this before: the frustration and inconsistencies, and it would really help ease a lot of that out. I think. Oh, it would. I, I absolutely agree. It would, of course, have <coughs> like issues going from country to country in international tournaments and different leagues around Europe who have players who don't speak the native language in that country you can imagine many in Spain or Italy or England or Germany who don't have the local language not being able to communicate with the reverie and things get very complicated and you know communication issues would come to the fore a lot more than they do at the moment but you would learn so much more about every aspect of the game like imagine say if you take it from the point that a lot of pundits in England and in other countries as well it's not just exclusive to the UK believe that only if you play the game to a certain level can you really understand the game or can you yeah. comment on the game at this certain stage? The, ima- the amount of knowledge you would glean and understand from a match, from how it's played, from how things interact by simply being on the pitch, it's, it's inevitable it's going to happen. You're right, Like we're eventually going to have body cams on the referees yeah. to see exactly what the referee sees. It's happened in rugby already, it's happened in NFL. This, this is what's going to happen. It's just a case of getting the technology right and bit by bit it'll be introduced. Yeah. It probably won't be the first thing and probably going to be one of the last things they do. Yeah, no, and you're, you're right. You don't want to run before you can crawl. And, yeah. like, we have to sort out VAR, we have to sort out the teething, teething problems yeah. here before we go on They still do don't that. have the, the goal line technology in, in yeah. the league. Like yeah, this. and I mean... It's happened multiple yeah. times this season alone. I, I really don't think anybody in England complains about the goal no. line technology. That's been a fantastic yeah, it addition. Like two you know? yeah. and it's there was like, an issue, you know, like, how do we know the ball? Like, I remember Jonathan Pearson, the was the World Cup going yeah. apoplectic when yeah. how do we know the balls cross the line and you know challenging the technology but the technology is there to be challenged it's fair enough challenge the technology yeah. and let the technology either get you know be shown out for being inferior or let it improve and grow yeah. and we actually get progress in the game if we do nothing the game will go nowhere yeah and like the thing one argument that's always kind of been brought up is like oh mistakes are part of the game but of course mistakes have been part of the game because the technology hasn't been there to cut them out mm. for the last 140 years or whatever. Uh, but now the technology is available, why don't we use it? Yeah, uh, And mistakes mistakes will still be part of the game, even yeah. with all that technology. In, they're, in the still, NFL, they're still, sub, uh, sub, they're still you know, conjecture, yeah. they're still opinion. I mean, yeah, in the NFL, there's still different definitions of a catch. You know, It's possibly the most basic thing in that sport, yeah. you know, and they can't agree on it all yeah. the time. 
you know, you're never going to have complete agreements. No, There's always going to be mistakes, but it'll ease out the more irritating ones. Yeah. Like, like um, I don't know, do you still remember this, but Chelsea played United one year. Um, Chicharito scored a goal. He was offside. I, yeah, he was in the goals when the cross came in. He was yeah. behind the keeper, you know? As a you know, as a younger fan, I was screaming my head off. I was going, <laughs> "How unfair is that?" You know, well, every every fan of every club who's ever watched or who has any support of anything yeah. has one of these stories. Yeah, exactly, sure. exactly. And these these we can all remember Thierry Henry's on balls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, these these are the mistakes that really hurt, yeah. and those yeah. are the ones that go away. And you can see within two seconds, it's replayed a hundred times. We have the technology, yeah. even at as long as effectively as long as it's professional football. There is yeah. modern yeah. modern technology. We can have cameras. Everyone has cameras in their pocket. You can have cameras everywhere on the pitch. It can be watched by someone else. In a lot of games at higher level across Europe the last few years, they've had five officials because they've had the officials behind the goals. Mm. You know, there is enough, there's labour there to do the job. They can be trained. The technology's there. It's not that expensive. It's all doable. Yeah. Uh, that will do us for our discussion on VAR. I think. Uh, I hope VAR. we see VAR. VAR. It's uh, yeah. That's, One or the other. That's, that's, that's the, the next debate. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the next thing. Uh, we'll hope we'll see how it goes. And uh, I assume it'll be there for the Carabao Cup final and then the next round of the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, join us after the break, where we will do another guest the player. the show out now with the uh, guest the player where I give my two co-hosts uh, a mystery player to try and figure out through a list of teammates that this player played with throughout their career so are you guys ready? Shoot uh, the players that this guy has played with is Roberto Baggio okay. Yap Stam Francesco Totti Nicolas Anelka Ma- er, Frank Lampard Matteo Darmian Andrei Shevchenko okay okay so Lampard was only West Ham, Chelsea, and England. And Man City. And Man City. Oh, and New York City. And New York City. I know who it is, I think. Already? Already. Yeah, I think I know who it is. So I'll let you try and... Give me me a little bit of a chance. Um, So we have Baggio. Yeah. um, Shevchenko, Lampard. um, Who were the other names? Yapstam was in there. Yapstam. Nicholas Anelka. Anelka. Totti. Tati. Tati's only played for Roma in Italy. Okay. Yes, def- yes, yeah. that's right. Stop making me second guess myself. <laughs> um, so I'm going to assume he was Italian, seeing the other Italian names in there, like Baggio. Um, and Elka played at Juve for a little bit. Um, he did, didn't he? I do not remember. Nelka's the one that's thrown me off my guess. Okay. Where, where did Nelka play? Anelka's played at a bunch of clubs. He's played so at so many clubs. I don't know where Anelka's Okay, Anelka's played literally everywhere. So well, I mean, has he played in Italy? Um, that is the question. He's also played at Chelsea at the same period that Lampard was there. Was he there at the same time as Shevchenko? Um, when did Shevchenko leave? Um, no, I don't think they overlapped. They might have, you know. Anelka came in, what, 08, 09? Yeah. Shevchenko was bought in 05. Did he leave in 07 or 08? Um, I think it was... Oh eight! I think he had a couple seasons. Yeah, there. I I think he might give, have. Give us another clue there, because he scored thirteen times in one hundred and sixteen appearances for his country. Yeah, I definitely know who it is. One hundred and sixteen. Okay. Um, I'm still lagging a little bit behind now. Give him another one. Okay, another another clue. He made his first league appearance in nineteen ninety. Er, made his first league appearance in nineteen ninety five, but only announced his retirement in two thousand seventeen. Oh, so you don't fun. get it from. No. no, of course not. He scored goals. Um, Wait, what was the name? Buffon. I said Buffon. Oh, like, no, Buffon, he's yeah. he's also announced his retirement um, at the end of the season. He wrote one of the finest books on football ever written. <sighs> yeah, Andrew's got I'm, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling bad now. Um, he played uh, with Roberto Baggio under Carlo Ancelotti. Do you want to, do you want to, another oh, one of my clues? Lord above, yeah. He won six Serie A titles, two Champions Leagues and a World Cup. That it should it should really uh, okay so I'm looking for an Italian Syria multiple Syria who winner. did he play with Nick Snelko with he played with Nick, uh, I'll tell you once was it at time. Chelsea no am I right no, no. did no. he play at Chelsea no no that's what's throwing me off then um, 
How do you play with Lampard City? Um, or the MLS? Oh, it's Pirlo. It is it Pirlo. Is. Well done. Andrea Pirlo. <laughs> oh, that took me too long. <laughs> he played with the Nelka at Juventus. They hey! Played, they went right. with the... Oh! He, well, N- 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 Anelka back in 98, No, he played with him. He went there for like after he came back from China. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. he did. Whew. For like half like, a season. Yeah, it was a brief, brief I stage. was right for the completely wrong reasons then. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I had one more clue. It was he believes the PlayStation is the greatest invention since the wheel. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is a reference to the book that he I actually mentioned. He also believes that God isn't French. Yeah, one of <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to think I have to read this book. Oh, it's a fantastic we book. We discussed this book. Uh, We've discussed it before. A, a it's amazing quote. A few episodes ago, yeah. I, I, when I was making this, there were so many players that like, I really wanted to put in, but yeah. I... Frank Lampard gave it away for me because yeah. he played with Frank Lampard in New York City. Yeah. The, I had a few other players. It was Diego Simeone, uh, David Villa, Nicholas Bentner, and Nicholas Oh, Silvestre. Nicholas Bentner would have been a good one. Where did Nicholas Bentner play? At, at Juventus. Bentner was at Juventus I, as well. Jesus. Yeah, same time, roughly, I think. Yeah, I when he, and then he went back to Sunderland. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Nicholas Silvestre would have been a good one to throw That would have been a good one as well. Yeah, but maybe... Maybe we'll do something more with Nicolas Silvestre. The weeks. future, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you have Stan play at Juventus? AC Milan. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, there was... Because he played with all three of the big yeah. teams in Italy, and I thought throwing in Totti might throw it off, because oh, he only played for Roma. Roma and Italy. And I thought Darmian might throw, throw it Darmian. off. But he, Italy. He, Italy. No, he yeah. was at AC Milan. As, as well, at really? yeah. the same time. Yeah. God, Darmian. How old is Darmian? Darmian's not that old, but he's he had a couple of caps like, at a really young age. Okay. Uh, that will do us for uh, another edition of the Total Football Podcast. Um, oh, I've lost my. Uh, You've lost your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lost. I've lost what I was supposed to look at. Um, make sure we didn't leave off anything. Oh, you have to improv now. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> no, you can do don't it. worry. Don't worry. Oh, I've got it back. I've got just it back. Ima- just imagine we've holes in our left left sock. Isn't that what you're meant to do? You speak in front of people. Imagine everybody is a hole in their left sock. Okay, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I've never heard that. That is very strange. <laughs> Go on, see does it work, see does it work. We have the title for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Oh, aren't you, aren't you glad that he lost this script yeah. so he could go on for this little two-minute <laughs> section? Yeah. I hope I, I have it back. I have it back. <laughs> but thank you for oh. listening. And please get in touch. Uh, I just need to know what the email was again. Uh, email us at the tfpod at gmail.com. <laughs> He's gone. He's completely lost it. You can follow us on social media at the tfpod. <laughs> if you have any other strange. <laughs> Oh, he's gone. He's completely lost it. I don't know what is so bad about this. If you've had any other strange idioms, I'm, I'm open for suggestions. Phrasing, you know? It's very hard to live without idioms. Ooh. Oh, I've just never heard that. Um, follow us on Twitter at the TF Bar. Yes, we said that. We're repeating really? things. No, I said it. Oh, right. Oh, he's completely lost it. He's lost it now. I think I'm going to make it break like this every, every podcast yeah, bring, from now Please on. bring an idiom next week. That would yeah. really... That would really help things move Spice longer. up the show at the end. Uh, follow, follow Andrew on Twitter at comma 27 I have loads of idioms. Uh, follow, follow, follow me on Twitter at Cheesy Hairpoint. I have no idioms, I'm sorry. Uh, spread the word about the show. If you if you have any friends that love idioms... Yeah, bring them along. During the next week, it'll be an idiom-based broadcast. It will, entirely. We'll try and do the whole thing in verse. So, uh, until next time, Andrew, say goodbye. Goodbye. Andrew, any, or Matthias, any other idioms? Uh, I think I'll save them for the next week. A stitch in time saves nine. Oh, yeah, we've really proven that one with this <laughs> idiom exchange. Uh, until next week, uh, until next week, it is goodbye from me.